is Cake and Kombucha with your host, Kelechi Azie. If you don't know where you are, that's okay. Don't be scared. You've arrived at the right place at the right time. We are here to talk about some random stuff this week, but there's kind of a theme. There's kind of an interweb theme that I had. Um, A lot of internet scams, a lot of internet bullying, just the way that we... How do we disentangle what's real, what's not? So... We can jump right in uh, with the first story, which is, um, well, first I should say, if you don't know, Cake and Kombucha is a place where weekly you get together with the host, me, and we discuss things like politics, pop culture, reality TV, uh, memes on social media, just weird things that happen to me walking around. I have a couple of those this week. I don't want to get too aggro, but I should probably share. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. So last week, we did a little homage to Daniel Caesar in the beginning of the show. I had actually already intended to do that anyway. I just had like a Daniel Caesar song in my head. And then I happened to go online and see this Dave Chappelle nonsense with Dave Chappelle saying he was very gay and just giggling like he was a teenage boy. I don't get it. But I spoke too soon. Daniel Caesar doesn't need defending. Well, I'm going to say the principle of Dave Chappelle not just making homophobic and transphobic comments and then saying it's a joke and giggling. I still believe in that because it's just weird. And I don't support the idea of people blurting out anything and afterwards being like, it was a joke. You understand my elevated comedy. I mean, no, you just said some shit. Own it. Like, it's so funny. You're complaining about us being snowflakes. At the same time, you are so hypersensitive that you can't just be like, I said some dumb shit because I was high and I'm overly fixated on gay people. Anyway, I was not really defending Daniel Caesar so much as the principal, but I spoke too soon. Daniel Caesar is a total and complete idiot, Um, and I'm owning this. I have never watched an interview of him. I've never done anything but listen to his music. Um, I even had tickets to Afropunk this year, and then I ended up not having to go because of a family event or not being able to go because of a family event. So I've never seen him in concert. I've never heard him speak. And let me find some clips of what he had to say. While I'm queuing up this footage, I'll give you the background on it. It looks like he's in a mall food court. Uh, There are trays and it's just very brightly lit in cafeteria style. There's people egging him on in the background. They egg him on. They egg him on. I'm sorry. Again, that's my favorite Melania quote ever. Um, but it's just like, he says he's drunk and it's just like, who, what is the level of arrogance you need to be at to think that you're doing your best thinking when you're drunk? I always feel like the people that lack that self-awareness that they're not making sense, they're usually 
dorks like they're usually annoying in in their sober lives too like i feel like a fun drunk kind of knows they're being messy and they're just like i'm so sorry i'm drunk but like for you to just be like this is really serious everyone needs to listen to me deep thoughts deep thoughts like shut up okay here we go why is it that we're allowed to be disrespectful and rude to everybody else and when anybody returns any type of energy to us that's not that's not a quality i don't want to be treated like i can't take a joke mm. i just went through that that the fucking Chappelle shit and i had to like in the moment acknowledge that i was being fucking sensitive okay so already what are you talking about but let's continue White people have, I see what you're saying. White people haven't been to us in the past. I have a, like, what are you going to do about that? Tell me what you're going to do about that. There's no, there's no answer other than creating understanding and keeping it moving. Okay, well, there's no answer. There's no actual response to what you said because you're speaking on your camera phone to the internet, so they can't talk back. How do we unpack the sophistication of this analysis white people have been mean to us in the past i don't know where i don't even know where to start i mean first of all like i'm not old i'm a young millennial um but i i guess he's probably like 22 or so and so maybe that makes him gen z and my question is if i have any gen z listeners can you let me know if are are they teaching you that racism is when someone is mean to you because that's not that's not accurate. Um, that's actually not true. Uh, the backstory to why he got on here at all was to talk about this girl, Yes Jules, who she is the host of this music festival in Miami. I'm not even going to look up which one. But she's basically a white woman, perhaps a white Latina. I don't care. But we already know about the tension in Miami with you know white Cubans. They're white one day. The next day they say they're a person of color, but then they we look up and they have, you know, nigger this, nigger that on their Instagram. That's common. So she had a t-shirt that said niggas lie or something like that, or all niggas lie and put it on the Instagram saying, is it cool if I wear this shirt? A, if you have to ask, you know, it's not cool. B, then she just got completely dragged. But of course, the kind of people that stood up for her were whack black rappers that want to sleep with her. And I just... I can only offer this to people like Daniel Caesar, people like who think they have to defend racism and p- play the party line, which is everything is a joke. I mean, it's not a joke. Like literally it's not, I don't understand. Like we got the right to vote officially in 1965. Like what is a game about that? What sounds funny to you about that? We had our first black president, you know, just now what, which part of this sounds like funny? haha? I don't, I don't really understand. I don't want to put it on Canada. I grew up right next to the border. Is this how y'all black Canadians do? I took one black Canadian uh, history class in college and the professor was, ooh, if I could fight. She was, a, she was a mess. She was a really not a nice person. But the point is, I know that, you know, runaway slaves used to go there and it, it some ways was a more welcoming place to be, but it had its own racial strike too and its terrible relationship with the native population. So I, I'm just confused. I mean, I want to offer this, like as someone who has white friends, you don't have to be a total coon. Like you don't, they will love you and accept you if they're nice people for just being a regular person. And what happened in your life that you have to tap dance this hard? I don't get it. It's just shocking. 
So, I mean, he's kind of speaking to something. If I were to step back and try to find any meaning in what he's addressing, I do think we're in an interesting cultural time of just flaming people on the internet. And I do think that black people are kind of having our like hashtag me too moment of just visibility in terms of it seems like it's the first time our voices people really care about our voices we can get people canceled for the racist things that they do by videotaping them by tweeting about it. isn't that sad like we're getting people you know fired from their jobs but people still haven't been you know paid retribution for crimes they committed actual crimes however this is this is what's happening right now and so there this the lines between like the black internet and the white internet have become very permeable right now. And I think that's also because as has usually been the case with American culture, black people are kind of the arbiters of what's cool and what's trendy. So we make the slang, we make the popular music, we do all of that. It becomes viral. And when you bring that together with both sides of the internet, you have people actually starting to pay more attention to what used to be called like just black Twitter. And when I say black Twitter, I mean also Instagram, Facebook, the, the black gif makers is it gif or jif guys i still don't know somebody let me know gif makers humor makers meme makers so i do think we have kind of we know our country is very divided right now but people are listening and things are getting through and so when you completely drag someone it affects their life and also you know being called a racist is now like as I like to say, it's worse than actually being racist. It's just like a really mean thing. We can't be called, but we can just, you know, put children in cages and stuff. But we don't know his heart. We don't know his heart. So the point of all that is to say that maybe what he's responding to when he says, how can black people can be mean and nothing happens to them is just the whole, you know, poorly supported argument of like, I mean, it goes, I mean, yes, black people are taking the gloves off and just dragging people for their life. They're no longer, you know, but it's over things like mayonnaise and food seasonings. And to equate these things with institutional racism is stupid. You have an oppressed minority group getting their funny ha-has out the way they can right now. And people who get it are like, okay, whatever. It's seasoned salt. And people who don't are like, but... (laughs) (laughs) but the internet and freedom i mean it's not the same thing and i don't i don't understand how you could really think it is i just don't i really don't um unless you're just in some raised in some sort of alternate dimension so again i don't know what's going on in canada i don't know what they put in the maple leaf water but maple leaf water is a real thing however it's a real thing there's all kinds of stuff in water tangent like what is the water that I saw? Obviously, you know, I like kombucha, hence the name of the show. But next to the kombucha, there's just all kinds of stuff. People just start water infused with this. And it's like, okay, sis, if you say that's something I'm supposed to drink, but there's never until this point, did I think I needed to drink maple leaf? Anyway, the point of all this He's, he does taunt us and say, you can cancel me. You could do what you want. I don't care. I'll be broke. You know, I was on a, I used to sleep on a park bench and now I'm here. And to that, I say like, I'm fascinated by the tiny amount of success. It takes some black people to completely become delusional about all of American history. I guess I'll say North American history for him. Um, the world, one you being successful doesn't negate all these things you know like with my degree you know I go to like my the alumni the parade for reunions at my university and I'm getting fist bumped by 95 year old men that never would have thought that someone like me 
would be anywhere in their institution except to, you know, change their drawers or something. But that doesn't mean that I think that, you know, because I have access to some exclusive spaces and someone might help me out because of one connection, that doesn't negate like all of the other things wrong in the world. And if they saw me on the street wearing a Princeton hoodie, like I said last week, they would still ask me if I went to Rutgers. I have to be in your face, in your face, dressed up in school colors, like in a specific event to be acknowledged. So I don't really get what it is about. And you see celebrities like this. They just get a little bit successful. And they're like, well, the fact that I am successful disproves any kind of institutional inequality in in whatever country. It's strange because like you're one person. I don't I don't understand how you would think that. But maybe it does speak to some sort of arrogance because it's like. Yeah, like, why would you think your one self negates anything? Anyway, to bring this full circle to things we've been talking about for weeks now, he's a problematic musician. I didn't know. What does this mean? It means that, A, as I've been saying, there is no connection between musical genius and being a complete imbecile or worse or worse. And you guys know who I'm talking about. There's no connection. I do feel conflicted. I feel annoyed that I can't openly stand for someone now. I am trying to figure out, I mean, obviously being an idiot is not, you know, being a self-hating idiot is not like a, being a molester. I'm not going to equate those two things, but I do want to figure out how I can like listen to his music without giving him streams. I might have to just old school, like if I download it, then when I listen to his album, like, will, will the, the stream counts for the plays not go up? Somebody let me know. Because I think he does. I mean, it was just rude and disrespectful. And he also mentioned being a fan of Candace Owens. So he definitely needs to get. I mean, I just I personally, this is where it comes to that personal decision. It doesn't change the quality of his music. I just don't want to know that I'm helping him have platforms to say dumb shit. So this is where we make our decisions. And it doesn't have to be someone telling me this. And you don't have to feel like there are rules set out. Well, I don't want to cancel this. And I, I still want to do the electric slide. To, you know, it's just like if something, hopefully things make you feel a little bit uncomfortable and then you do them. But also it's just a perfect chance to sit back and eat my own words and be like, okay, I really enjoy this person's music. I don't feel the same way about them. Let me process how that makes me feel. How am I going to feel when I listen to it? And I guess that's when people get into the whole, like, I love their art so much. I'm going to reject, excuse me, I'm going to reject any of this outside information I have about them so it doesn't affect my experience. So there's all these questions about how to separate that, but I don't think they should be simplified. And as I've said, we have to be comfortable being uncomfortable and just work through them. And until then, stay off the internet because you is a fool. That's my intro to the next story about Donna Brazil. She makes me think of chicken, especially with this uh, recent move to Fox News. I mean, get your coins, sis? I don't know. Let me find her statement that she read. So this ties pretty neatly into the story we just had because she could have just gone to Fox News and just said, hey... I am going to Fox News 
because it's a charity. I don't know. She could have said, I'm going because I want to offer a different, you know, perspective to people or something, right? Instead, she wrote a really long essay about this whole being nice bullshit. It's bullshit. Those of you, though, you know, my nickname from one of my closest friends is Sour Patch Kid. Sweet and sour. Sometimes I'm sweet. Sometimes I'm sour. It depends. I'm not sweet to racist. I'm just not. So like I, this whole thing, this idea that people keep selling that niceness is what is, is what's going to, you know, is the bomb that's going to heal all of our country's wounds is false because people are plenty polite in the South People are plenty polite when I go down to North Carolina, and yet they're still over there. They were protesting on moral Mondays to not have their kids have to go to school in black neighborhoods and stuff. So niceness, we just know that. And also, it's funny because we don't even hold the president to that. It's interesting if you think about it, right? Like in a world where there's no such thing as racism and the only thing that's that happens is not being civil, our president doesn't even do that. And yet he still gets a pass. So that's interesting. That's just something I just thought of in the moment. I'm like, wow, he's not even doing like the bare minimum fake, not racist stuff, which is just being polite and saying hateful things. He gets away with it all and people still defend him. Um, Let's see what she said. Actually, before I even read what she said um, on the topic of inconsistencies, I forgot this when I was reading up on her, but she was forced to resign as an on-air contributor in 2016 after emails revealed that she had tipped off Clinton's aides about questions likely to be asked by CNN moderators during the debates and the town hall meetings carried by CNN. Uh, She was highly supportive of Clinton's candidacy. The network said the leaking of the questions was a break of its ethics and undermined the impartiality of its campaign coverage. That is, this is directly from CNN, actually. Um, I mean, yeah, what can I say? I know you guys think I'm just like a defender of things that are immoral, like Jesse Smollett and lying, but I don't care. I mean, you leaked questions. They leaked the damn emails. So then you leaked emails about questions about the emails. (laughs) But yes, ethics, morals, they had to let her go. Sure. Okay. So that actually answers that question. I, she's such a Uh, overbearing white-haired figure in my whole life from seeing her on tv that I just forgot that she she's I kind of forgot she wasn't on the air like I just she's still in your subconscious you know making popcorn chicken and gumbo so I I didn't even realize she wasn't on the air so this now I see why she might have been even more pressed to take this new position I mean you gotta go where your audience is and by your audience I mean a paycheck you got to go where the paycheck is. Ah, okay. So it took me a long time to find this essay. I knew, I thought I had saved it somewhere, but I'd saved articles about it. And it took me a long time to find it because I think Google won't even show me results from foxnews.com, but that's where the essay is being hosted because those are her new employers. So she says, I am excited by the opportunity to share my perspective and views with the Fox News audience and to help shape the dialogue at this important juncture in our history. Most importantly, I'm eager to learn from the experience. What are you going to learn, sis? What are you going to learn that you don't already know that people are completely insane and hate you? All right. Um, Blah, blah, blah. Hostility, blah, blah, blah. It concerns me, as it does the majority of good Americans, that our national debate has become hostile and disrespectful. Uh, Really? That's what concerns you? 
not people being killed by the police, not people not getting an education, not people getting jail sentences like five times longer than their white counterparts, just that were not nice to each other. Okay. We no longer simply agree to disagree. Too often we demonize the intentions of others. Our lines of communication are frayed, if not broken. Girl. Girl. I'll, I'll save my commentary. I think you guys know how I feel. Um, she says, I fully admit that in my previous lives as a campaign staffer, campaign manager, and Democratic Party official, my own lack of civility in the heat of battle has been on full display, and it wasn't pretty. You know what? It doesn't have to be pretty. Then she talks about how she has to be wise and humble like her mom. Don't bring your mom. Did your mom ask to be involved in this? I had nine siblings. She tried to teach us a lesson we all needed to heed as citizens. Listen more, talk less, be civil to one another. Feeling right and righteous is a comfortable place to be. Yeah. When you are right. I mean, then she does the, the black equivalent of I have white friends I have always had good friends on the other side of the aisle. Former Republican National Committee Chairman Ed Gillespie and Michael Steele are men who I have known for decades. Former Bush strategist and homegirl Mary Madeline helped me survive so many challenges that we now refer to each other as Tawanda, a term of endearment from the classic film Fried Green Tomato. So you both are Tawanda? Which one of you is Tawanda? You're both, hey Tawanda, hey Tawanda. I feel that nickname could be worked on a little bit. I mean, it's 900 words. I did my best, you guys. But what does she think that's going to keep her from getting hate mail? You should never work someplace where you have to write a thousand word essay to justify your existence to the new people who you're going to be appearing in front of or to, you know, all the people that you all the relationships that you made in your esteemed 30 year career, 40 year career. I don't know how old she is. Maybe she's been maybe she's a 55 year old career perhaps she's been doing this since she was five but why Ugh. Ugh. I mean I guess when you're doing something you probably shouldn't be doing anyway there are things that go with it that seem awkward I mean I guess it's just how you know it's unnatural right I don't know but one of my main issues and I'll always have this issue until someone helps me out with it is that debate and civil debate and rigorous debate I mean it's a privilege of often more often than not it's a privilege of white people specifically white men um I was in a relationship with a white guy and one of the things that I ticked me off that this was not going to work out was he was a very smart guy but he liked to just take intellectual positions like for fun and I realized oh wow if you don't have a stake in these things then he didn't would never do that about race he wasn't that stupid but he did it about um something with women in math fields and in stem and i was so offended and i was just like look this is not a game to me this is my life these things that we're discussing this is how i'm perceived in the world it has real the outcomes are real for me and so going to parties and being in situations where people just reduce things down to a civil debate like it's some esoteric logic puzzle that's happening just in a in another dimension like it's a game of candy crush that shit is annoying and it gets old really fast nothing i mean i think i'm clear on my podcast i hope which things i think are like serious and which things are not but the things that are not they're not a game they're not for fun to just be like 
some entertaining intellectual fodder and you're not debating for fun. Like you're supposed to be reporting the news. And I, I would think advocating for something that you believe in. Like I thought you worked for the Democratic Party all those years and she hasn't changed parties or anything. But I'm saying I thought you did it because you believed in it because you had agendas you wanted to push forward. Like bipartisan, we can't be so bipartisan that we stand for nothing. You had a point all these years. You had a purpose. And no, I actually... You know, like I said, I'm a young millennial, and I do remember a time where, when I went to college and I met the first Republicans I never met because I was sheltered. Um, they weren't all assholes or anything, and some of them were clearly just about this is about the bag. My parents are in this tax bracket; we have to give this much money back. And I was like, okay, all right. Like I don't, I didn't go at a time where people were just like, let's let's lock up immigrants in cages, let's start white nationalist groups. Like the rhetoric has changed and gotten even more dangerous, which is why to me, you saying you're friends with Mary Matlin and stuff like that is not like Bush as messed up as he was. He don't even like Trump. You know what I'm saying? So things have changed. So you can't come to it and act like everything's normal. You're just chit-chatting. Okay. Like what's that dude that sounds like Foghorn Leghorn I can't remember his name right now. His wife, actually, she might mention it in her essay. Let me see. I don't see it, but he he sounds like Foghorn Leghorn. He looks like an egg with glasses. Him and his wife, he's a Democrat. She's a Republican strategist, and they're always on the news. Growing up, I'd ask, like, I'd be like, Mom and Dad, how come those people are in, like, how can you be married to someone in a different political party? Like, I probably thought it was, like, religion or something when I, I was sheltered, okay? I took everything I was told, like, really seriously until I was able to think it through better at, like, 10. Whatever. But it's not like that anymore. That's That was my point. I mean, we have children being locked up in cages. As I've said, we have lost children. I'll keep saying it because I never devoted a full segment to it on the show, but over 2,000 of the children that were taken away from their families are still lost. So the, the stakes are so high that this debate, mamby-pamby stuff, has got to stop. It's not just a debate. And you know it's not just a debate because people are completely insane, which I will get to in the next two segments about internet crazies. But I just want to leave you with this, that to leave the world a better place, you need to help make the world a better place. Just as it takes many ingredients to make a good gumbo, it will require listening to many voices before we are able to move forward as one people. And that's exactly why I, I don't have anything else to say. I just, she didn't have to bring in gumbo. Like, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't make, don't be a big black woman and make food analogies on Fox. Don't do this. We don't need this. Hello, everyone. My name is President. I mean, my name is Donna Brazil, and I'm running for President of the United States. I'm actually not. I just thought that'd be funny to say because it seems like everyone and their mom is running. Probably your mama is running, too. If she does, give her my best wishes. But I won't be moderating at her debates because I'm not allowed to do that anymore. Well, I just wanted to come on and follow up on my new life change i will be working for fox news fox news they are crazy like foxes but they hired me <laughs> and i just wanted to say that politics is like a big etouffee 
It doesn't matter what you put inside. Just make sure that the butter and the flour create a strong roux. And then you get your crawdads from the river over, over there, minute by day, by minute by day. And then he puts them in the water and they just bubble up like so. And you got to put that, all of that spices and ooh, it gets so good and bubbles to the top and gets thick. And then you know you have politics. That's how politics works. I also like to say that all of our opinions are like a gumbo. You also start with a roux. You just take that flour and take that butter and then you mix it up like so and it starts to bubbling and gets a brown and then you put the seasoning in inside and then you add the rice and the sausages and the spice and the crawfish and the chicken if you want to. And sometimes I like to put a little bit of alligator up in there. So yeah, all of our opinions come together like a gumbo. Remember, opinions are best served over rice. And I've noticed that we have a lack of discourse, civility in society right now. And I feel like if you would just come down to Cafe Du Monde and get yourself a beignet, you know, you mix the flour and the butter and the sugar and the milk, and then you throw it in the deep fryer and it pops up just like so. Ooh, it's so good. And you mix it with the coffee with the sugary taste right inside, and then you scoop it up. Oh, it's delicious. Yeah. I think if we all ate beignets together, the world would be a better place. What I'm basically saying to you is, black southern food, yummy, yummy, yummy. Fox commentator now. I hope you join me next week for my Fox debut, except we don't call it a debut. We call it a debut. <laughs> all right. Love that chicken from Popeye's now. Okay, so these next two stories are still intertwined by this theme of internet performances, craziness, uh, hive mind mentality, just weird internet stuff. So this, now if you listened since the beginning of the podcast, you know I used to give this disclaimer, um, you should follow up Cake and Kombucha with some investigative journalism like NPR not because I'm lying about anything, but because I give you a little snippet of context so that I can then talk about like the part that interests me about a story, which is usually people's reaction to it and how it fits in the context of other things that are going on, etc. However, I just love NPR, specifically This American Life. It's just it's the reporting and storytelling is so good like I'll be walking around my house like this weekend I was making candles don't at me I some expensive candles I had the wick burned way too soon so I was replacing the wick and melting them down these are things that happened in my life and I was just listening to this story and I was like oh my gosh I have to share with you guys my listeners it was just riveting and crazy it was this specific niche of like this circumstance of events is wild and also really well done like the way it was told so this was a story about Sandy Hook deniers and a father who trolls back against them. Now, you remember the Sandy Hook mass shooting where <sighs> little kids died, and um, there's a father who lost his son, and he experienced uh, this immediate attacks from these groups of people called Sandy Hook deniers. Now, these people are people that believe in a lot of different conspiracies generally, but they have one they probably believe more fervently and invest a lot of time and like illegal things into 
I don't know, what would you even call it? Their agenda? Making sure people believe them? Because when you really tear it apart, it's weird that... Anyway, to, to get to that part. So Alex Jones is credited with stirring a lot of this venom up, specifically about Sandy Hook. Now, he's a crazy, overweight, frothing at the mouth right-wing radio host that you've probably heard of. But the interesting part is like, Sometimes you think you know what people are up to, but you you only listen to the part that got reported to you through your other media. So like when I listened closer to things he said, I was like, wow, like he's actually completely insane. And people and he has millions of listeners like he said that Obama had flies around him in the house when there weren't flies around anyone else. And I'm thinking, oh, is this a racist African joke? And then, no, he said it's because he was possessed. I was like, is this even, like, do I need to go back to church, to Catholic church, and ask, like, is that even one of the signs of possession? Or did you just get that from, like, from The Exorcist on Fox, which was canceled, but really good? Like, he said that Hillary is a demon hell spawn. So the stuff goes deep, deeper than you think, which ties back into the Donna Brazil story we just had because some of the people you're fighting against are not it's not just a cute debate like they're mobilizing people to do bad things so anyway this father has a son that passed away he's getting these online attacks death threats um people telling him that his son isn't real his son never existed this is a Jewish guy and they start telling him you know anti-semitic holocaust things you know whatever ethnicity or religion you are always going to get dragged into some other shit so you can just bet that's the kind of hate you're going to get um and and then he would fight back against them so he started making it his mission to expose people to first he would join the groups and try to refute these things online then he would you know release things go go to news outlets and things like that and it and it ended up being so bad that he was getting active death threats these people would release his social security and address online they would find out where he lived immediately he had to move eight times he has to be in hiding his family is at in risk you may ask wait am i following did i did i follow this correctly what did he do yeah that's all he did he had a son who died in a, in a mass shooting so Alex Jones and his crew have developed this term crisis actors. They think that people are posing as victims of events like this in order to uh, limit gun guns usage. Like they're, they're for the cause of gun control, I guess. I mean, that's the only one that I can suss out. But even then, it's hard for me to relate why this would be so important to you as to act like this. So again, like I, I don't really... I kind of just wanted to share with you that people act like this, like this is a real thing and it's terrifying. And so, yeah, I mean, the story is really interesting. It's about how this guy trolls back. He found out, you know, someone made a three hour movie about him and how his son isn't real. And he found a way to go online and get like whenever footage of his son or himself was used, he said it was a copyright infringement. So he would spend eight hours a day getting people's videos taken down then they put them back up then they'd release more death threats on him then they'd release his address i mean it went on forever i never found out what his job was like i'm assuming this has taken over his whole life but people are mad they're mad that someone's son died in sandy hook and this is a theme that psychologically i'm really interested in how harm that happens to other people makes us so angry 
But this is keeps coming up again and again. It comes up with the sexual assault cases we've talked about. And I think there's just something about people needing to feel like the world is safer than it is, which I don't know why. Like, it's obviously evidently not. Like, who told you that it was? But they need to feel like this would never happen to me. So you must be lying. But also, I just feel like people like Alex Jones attract a certain cohort of other mentally ill people. And I feel like when you give them something to be passionate about and a sense of community with other people talking the same crazy shit, you're mobilizing a dangerous part of the community. Like, I don't feel, I feel that way about things like religion. I feel like it's not a coincidence that mass shooters, killers, they focus on the same themes. People get obsessed with the same like touch points. And so I'm highly suspect of people like our president and other folks like that, that use rhetoric that gets certain vulnerable populations obsessive and crazy acting. So that is a thing that I found out that happened that's really weird. And I would love you guys to hear your theories about why people care. Do all these people have guns? Do they really care that much? But they want to violently threaten and try to hurt this man because he is actively out here saying that his son was murdered and that Sandy Hook is real. Like, they don't think it's real. They told him they sh- that he should exhume the body. They have no... There's no low for them. The mother of his ex-wife and the mom of their son was on TV and, you know, people are criticizing her. Well, why would you wear lipstick if you're mourning? Now, to me, that kind of sounds like the, the stuff that we say to sexual assault victims, like picking apart the way everyone acts when something bad happens to them. So... I'm just interested in this pattern. So boom, that's that story. Then I saw a story that was really similar this week about anti-vaxxer deniers. Now this is going to really blow your mind. So there are groups of, so the thing that it shocked me is not even the point of the story. So there are groups online of anti-vaxxers and they have these Facebook groups and Facebook communities. And sometimes one of their children will die. Now, there's this immediate call to action when one of their children dies from the other people in the group to tell them that they're a liar, their kids aren't real, they killed them, to harass them. Let me pull up some of the threats that, that were there. But the point that I was saying that really struck me was, I cannot believe this happens enough. Like people's children are dying enough from this that there's even a prescribed action to take. Like, I'm shocked. Oh, forgive me, I have a new mic and I keep leaning too far into it, but I think this is a good distance. So in this case, a four-year-old boy died of the flu and she checked her Facebook page and she thought she'd find like comforting messages, but instead she found dozens of comments like, you're a terrible mother, you killed your son, you deserve what happened to your son, this is all fake, your son doesn't exist. And she then got a message from other people that were saying, expect more. So... This is like a common thing. Um, The anti-vaxxers do this. This is like an organized group effort. Um, Let's see. So Larry Cook, who is the founder of Stop Mandatory Vaccination, he does not deny that such attacks exist. In an email to CNN, he wrote that members of his group make up more than half a million comments each month. He said, I do not condone violent behavior or tone But he says anyone who deliberately engages in the politics of advocating for compulsory vaccination where children may be further damaged through government vaccine mandates can expect pushback and resistance. 
alongside knowledgeable discussions about vaccine risk. I mean, none of y'all are knowledgeable, so that's bullshit. Uh, but there's a mother who lost her two-year-old. So, so sad. Beautiful little boy. Um, there's a picture in the article, but she lost her two-year-old to the flu, and people are calling her this a cunt and saying that she murdered him and made up a story about it to discredit anti-vaxxers. First of all, I'm always fascinated by, I've said this before, but like the worst thing you can call a woman is a cunt and a slut. What does that have to do with anything we're talking about? Like what is unrelated? Anyway, like I said, black people, you're going to call us the N word. Women are going to call us the C word. It is what it is. It's not creative. Um, so, you know, that's basically it. This, this is happening and it's crazy, but why are people so I can't I can't imagine being in a Facebook group where people's actively lose their children sometimes and so the fact that that's not even enough for you to step back and be like hey this thing that we're advocating for might need some re-examination instead you just vehemently deny the reality of it but go so far as to send death threats to harass someone who has lost a child it's like do you really think they haven't lost a child like do you know that they've lost a child and you just don't care or do you, are you just evil? Like, or is it for the greater good? Like you, your cause of not having anyone be vaccinated is bigger than, than this situation. I don't understand the mentality behind that, but I think it just speaks to a larger trend of the type of misinformation that can just kind of like cook like in an oven. Like you just throw these people together and shake them up in a blender bottle and then you got a milkshake of crazy and and no like pushback and they're all feeding each other they, they egg him on they egg him on but i i don't know i was fascinated because i did not really understand that these were a thing like i knew anti-vaxxers were as most like little fringe groups are i don't even know how little they are but i know that people are passionate about their health causes that they haven't you know don't have scientific backing for that's that remains consistent but I didn't know about the death threats, the violence, and the motivation to deny someone else's actual experience. So you think that vaccines do this thing, right? You have a hunch. But someone told you, like someone's child actually died. Like that actually happened to them. It's not a theory. But your beliefs are negating the evidence in front of you that 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 might that might change your beliefs you just how does it become more important to believe this thing that then to actually just do like if what you care about is not endangering kids how does it become more important to believe the thing that's been refuted i don't get that some of these other beliefs i get it like religious fanaticism things that support your like entire worldview but we're just talking about kids getting sick and like you have evidence that they get sick one way because this actually happened and the other one is in your head. I don't get that. To continue with the internet craziness, I like this episode so far because it's a little bit of mainstream and then just weird stuff that popped up. So this is a YouTube story. So there's this YouTuber who had like 3 million followers, this raw vegan girl named Rowena, and she was videotaped eating fish in Mexico. And so she's lost like over a million followers so far. Of course, people are giving the death threats, the whatever. And I just think 
honestly, I felt bad for her, like, because it was so sad. Like, when I watch a lot of these extreme ways of eating things, I just see a lot of eating disorders, paranoia, misinformation, and I see people wanting to get information from YouTube that's medical, and I don't know why. I do believe, I'm not saying that I'm like above anecdotal evidence. Like, if someone close to me says, hey, I did this and it worked, I'm interested. But, but I know that everyone's different. I know that it's worked for them. It might not work for me. I know I'm going to ch- check it somehow. And also, I actually know them. You don't actually know these people. They're just on the internet. So this story becomes a perfect confluence of, whew, I mean, you've, I, I happened to just do a deep dive into this and I saw that this girl is nuts and her followers are nuts. I mean, what else is new? So she said she went on a raw vegan diet like maybe six years ago or so, but like two years into it, she stopped having her period for two years. For two years, she didn't have her period, but medical genius that she is, she thought that meant, I don't know, she's like some sort of Latina hotep, I guess. She thinks that like it's good and it's natural and it's clean and if the body wanted you to have a period, you would have one and just eat some more watermelon and banana peels and you'll be okay. I mean, she keeps talking about her energy levels and your energy levels are so high and you just feel like this lightheaded this buzz I mean to me it sounded like you high because you hungry and thirsty or something I don't know like it sounded like you're on the brink of death all the time so you're having those what are those like electromagnetic like they've said it's perhaps electromagnetic waves or maybe spiritual they don't know but you're just like seeing your life flash before your eyes you're feeling very one with the universe because you're on the brink of death because you ate Oh, yeah, she did a 25-day water fast. That is what preempted her period not coming anymore. A 25-day water fast. Yep. So then if you watch her videos, like a lot of them are about weight loss and weight loss this and weight loss that, but she's like 100 pounds and her ribs like stick out. So then I was like, who are you trying to tell us to get like you? Are you trying to tell us how you got there? Were you ever big? It's, it's all a mess. It's all a mess. Anyway, she released a long video explaining in detail, in too much detail, all of her health problems, how she had IBS, I know because I have it too, and SIBO bacteria in her gut. And so the diet you can eat is basically like eggs, like very little fiber because your body can't produce, can't digest fiber when you have this. And so she looked at what she was allowed to eat and realized if I keep doing this raw stuff, it's just kale that I can eat and I need to add eggs again. So she slowly added eggs and fish and then she got dragged for it and is now losing her livelihood. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm from another planet. Like I understand having people you look to for things. I love YouTube. It just for me, the things I happen to look for, I like wig tutorials and makeup tutorials not health advice and like I have looked at weird diet videos before like I'm always open to check out what somebody does but I think when people start ranting at you you just have to be a little more suspect but when I say I know I'm like dragging her and dragging everyone in the world but I just feel I do feel bad I felt sad that someone didn't have their period for two years and was so mired in whatever beliefs that she created or basically was stuck like I think she was trapped she's has all these Instagram followers 
She's devoted herself to this lifestyle. And vegans never go vegan without just eating what they want. I mean, they seem to do it. They seem to be unable to do it without just shading the fuck out of everything else. That is why vegans get flack. I'm sure by vegan listeners, I hope you guys can like take a gentle ribbing, but you don't have to talk about how shitty every other way of being and existing and eating is. You could just eat your jackfruit and let people come to it if they want to. But don't knock on my door on Sunday morning and tell me I'm going to hell for eating bacon. Like, it's not necessary. Because guess who eats bacon and just got her blood pressure? It was low as fuck. But yeah, something inside of her must have known. Like, I've devoted myself to this. This is my livelihood. But also, these are my personal values now. It's not working for me, but let me, like, risk my fertility. Even though I'm getting married, I want to have a baby one day. And just let me just generally, like, be malnourished. I mean, that's what it really means when you don't have a period. So I can say to people that I'm still doing this thing. And so that's the sad part, A. But the sad part, B, is just how personally betrayed people feel. And it's like you wouldn't feel that personally betrayed if you didn't put that stop much stock into people on the internet that don't have any type of degrees in the things that they're talking to you about at all. At all. Stop feeling betrayed because she's not your mom and she's not your physician. Move on with your life. I mean, I'm not saying I don't understand that there's any, you know, people feel deceived. You feel deceived, but... We are so artificially attached to people in the media. We think we know them. We think they're really our friends. We're unable to dis- distinguish from someone who has our best interests at heart and from someone who is profiting off of a thing. And I just wish like, yeah, I just wish people would, would be better. I was listening to Keep It Today, a podcast that I love, and Busy Phillips, the actress who you know her from everything over the past 20 years from White Chicks. She was talking about how she puts, um, sometimes she wears something expensive on her Instagram and people are like, you bitch, okay, with your $4,000 earrings. And she's basically like, I know I seem like I'm the mom next door, but I'm actually rich. (laughs) Like she didn't say rich, but she's worked in Hollywood for 20 years successfully as an actor and she's been on many TV shows, a series regular. So you got bank. So I thought that was a great example of people's inability to distinguish between reality and what they're seeing on the internet. But she's not the only vegan that has fallen out recently. Let me find this other dude because he was doing some wild stuff. Okay, yeah, I saved this uh, to my little Pocket app. I love them. You guys should sponsor me, Pocket. Um, he, this dude was, this was reported on BuzzFeed on February 25th. So not that, I mean, almost a month ago, but this guy, his name is Tim Sheaf. And he, I did look at his Instagram and everything. He's deep in like, he has a clothing line. He has sponsors. He's barefoot running with little hobbit shoes. Like he's deep in it, has, you know, his veganism and his lifestyle entwined monetarily into many different aspects of his life. And he said he broke down and ate raw eggs and salmon after a 35-day water fast. Oh, he's a free runner. He was on American Ninja Warrior. Um, So he was so hungry that he didn't even have time to cook the eggs. He didn't, he couldn't, he couldn't heat up a, a frying pan. He said, I have to crack them, just crack them in my throat right now. That's real hunger. So he said that he was experiencing with his vegan diet, digestion issues, depression, fatigue, brain fog, lack of energy, waking up stiff in his joints, 
to try to heal himself, he tried a variety of different diets. <laughs> a fruit and herb fast. I don't know who. I don't know. A high fat diet. A high carb, low fat diet. So like Jenny Craig. Trying different supplements. And I'm quoting here. The article actually says I'm quoting here because, you know, BuzzFeed is snarky. Drinking his own urine for two years. Of all the things that no one told you to do. So the funny thing about him is he didn't lie. He didn't get caught. This guy wasn't like videotaped secretly. He just said, hey, this is what's happening with me and still just got dragged to the ends of the earth. So we should just just so you know, if you ever do a thing you can't change your mind once it stopped working or everyone will want to kill you. I guess that's, that's the lesson for today. But yeah, we got to figure out like, what is at the root of this extremism about eating stuff? I mean, I guess, okay, with veganism, it's not just eating. It is for some people, the lifestyle and like, you know, not wanting to harm animals. Although plants respond to music and voices and they're alive like they grow in the ground alive. How do we know what plants are really thinking? Anyway, I don't want to just seem like a vegan troll, so I'm a I'm a I'm a end this now. But you know how I feel about extremes of dieting and stuff and the way they're packaged and sold to us as consumers. And I also understand people's suspicion of the medical field. I mean, good God, like the history of medicine in our country is a horrifying one, especially as it pertains to black and brown women. However, there's just got to be some sort of middle ground where you know that someone has devoted their time and studied something, not just not through the Internet. You know what I mean? We got to do better. Wendy Williams gave a really moving, but actually confusing, if you actually watch it, um, admission today on her television show. So she said that she has been living in a sober house. Um, She said that every day after she finishes shooting, she is escorted by her 24-hour sober coach to a sober living house where she lives with smelly frat boys that have become her family. And then she gets up and does it all again. Um... She said she was, I didn't, someone, I mean, okay, so the news outlets have been reporting it as if it straight up said she's in a sober house for addiction, but she didn't actually say that. She said, you know, I have my foundation that I started with my husband. We have sent 56 people into treatment through my foundation, and I wanted to actually know what my brothers and sisters are living. So I go after the show. She said she goes to meetings with my brothers and sisters. They don't know who I am. They don't care. I'm just Wendy. Then I go here. Then I go there. Nowhere there in there did she say what she was actually addicted to, and she didn't specifically say I'm in treatment for my addiction. She said I'm going to see how. She almost said I'm going to see how the other half lives. She did say, you know, I've struggled with cocaine in my past. Now, I'm no expert on narcotics, but I don't think everything that's been happening on the show is because of cocaine. Or I don't know, maybe it is. Maybe cocaine plus her like thyroid medication. But see, I don't want to sound like one of those vegan YouTubers just making up medical diagnoses right now. But like, I don't know. I just, I feel like there's more to the story because it was a lot of crying and it was... A thing, I just don't know what that thing was. So I'm going to leave that there. 
We'll probably know information, more information next week, but I'm just here for like transparent transparency. Don't say you're on a drug, but be ashamed to say what it is. Just say what it is. If you're in a sober living house, that's you. You know, you've admitted that you've had struggles in the past. I didn't understand the way it was framed at all. I really didn't. And I watched, I sat there and watched the whole thing. So someone can correct me, hit me up, let me know. Maybe I misunderstood something, but it wasn't clear to me. So I'm a little bit under the weather. So I think I'm going to leave the show here a little bit early with two more things. Um, For my reality TV segment, I want to include some actual reality TV and then the reality TV that is our government. Um, So I did watch Real Housewives this week. I don't, not much happened. Well, the reason I feel like not much happened is because the big news was supposed to be Greg and Nene possibly splitting, but then real life, and by real life, I mean Instagram alternate reality showed that you know she released a statement saying we're all good and kind of almost shaded us for like thinking they did when I'm like sis you said that you talked about separating and you have been divorced before it's not a far stretch at all so that was like the big news but then as soon as I turned off the show I kind of basically saw that that didn't really happen so that was kind of just like you wonder now how much of that drama was manufactured just for the show like was him being sick not big enough of a storyline and they had to throw that in there too not that being a caretaker isn't extremely extremely difficult I'm sure all that was real but I don't know if they were ever considering separating a second time what else happened Eva got married (sighs) Eva got married (laughs) I mean the wedding was was nice and her dresses were poofy beautiful gowns gowns beautiful gowns um she said her marriage mentor was Nene and Greg and I'm like but you have two living parents who love and adore you and and the mom is like her dad has aphasia from a stroke from years ago so he can't even communicate that well and her mom has been his caretaker so how in the hell is Nene Leakes your marriage role model? I was just like, this is some of this stuff. You, I get that it can be, it's fake in certain ways. Now, none of these people are memorizing full scripts because if you watch any of these shows, you know that only a few of them would be capable of doing that. But it's still, you know, things are staged, but I feel like you got to put your foot down about some stuff just makes you look stupid to a degree that's embarrassing. Like that don't make no sense. You didn't know her that well. You wanted her to toast your wedding. She don't know you that well. You didn't invite her to your bridesmaids, uh, to your bachelorette weekend. It's just weird. But I was like, when I saw her dad, because he hasn't been in the show. Her mom has been in the show. But when I saw her dad crying, and she mentioned how long her parents have been together and that her mom is taking care of her dad, I was like, what are you talking about? This is so odd. Oh, she got married in sneakers, which I feel like... Eva strikes me as one of those... I think I'm better than you because I'm really pretty, but I'm, I don't try that hard, girls. Like, with her whole hobo chic look and her, like, I wear flats and sneakers all the time, but my flats cost $6,000, darling. Like, it's a little bit much. It's a little hard to deal with. That's just what I'm getting from the show. I don't know her. Maybe she's a nice person in real life, although she's never been on any reality show she's been on, but I don't know. Moving on to the more hot reality tea is that Trump is in a fight with Kellyanne Conway's husband. Yes, I did pivot from reality, from Real Housewives of Atlanta to Donald Trump because that's where we are. And I didn't create the situation. I'm just reporting the news. 
he's in a fight with Kellyanne Conway's husband, George Conway. He's, he called him the husband from hell and said he's jealous of her and he's Mrs. Kellyanne Conway, which is sexist to as an insult anyway, because we call people Mrs. Miss, Mrs. Their husband's name all the time. So like you tried it, you showed us your true colors as you continue to do. But this weekend, <laughs> George Conway, who's a lawyer, um, tweeted he that the president is insane and was treat, tweeting like DSM, like, um, what's the word? A diagnosis of like what's wrong with him and kelly is just you know flyaways flyaways there no one has given her a brush yet not for the past two years i'm just saying i thought maybe i just thought maybe someone would give her a brush but anyway she was like well once the president and once my husband i mean what do they have to do with each other uh girlfriend usually your husband and your boss are not like in an open fight on social media that's being reported by the news, you weirdo. Like, I know you like to act blase about all the satanic crazy happenings that were going on and just lies. Lies flow out of your mouth like water from a waterfall. But this time, you really have to just just show us you care a little. Like, this is not normal. Can, we, can you just blink twice? Blink twice and let us know that you know this is not normal. Please? Oh, girl. Anyway, I'm sure there'll be more developments on that, but it's really weird. Trump is saying that George is mad he didn't get a, a job in the Justice Department, but it shows that he actually turned down the job. So again, just lying. But like, that's what you do. I don't want to end the show talking about Trump. I'm sorry, but I do. I have to go to bed now. I, I'm, I'm sick. That's why I've been clearing my throat so much. So thank you so much for staying with me through that. I am on several medications. One of them is making me a bit drowsy. It's a cough medicine, but not a fun one. It's not coding. Um, yeah, so that's it for this week. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Cake and Kombucha. Please, please subscribe. Subscribe and write a review. Review or how the algorithm shows that we exist, okay? That's the way that we can be found is if you subscribe. And when I say we, I mean me, but you know. So you can find me on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, and also hit me up at Kelezie, K-E-L-E-Z-I-E on Instagram. And send me an email. Let me know what your thoughts are to cakeandkombucha at gmail.com. Thank you.